4: It is hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience, right here on Veasan, the Sports Bank Network, and we've got a tremendous hour for you. We went with a lot of NFL in number one, hour number one. Now we're going to be going with a lot of college basketball here in hour number two. As we're going to be taking a look at my DK Nation pick here in hour or in segment number one, and then from there we've got Justin Perry. He does a great job over at Shock Quality Bets. We're going to be talking with him, trying to find some teams that we can accept. Expect regression and progression on. On top of that, he's going to give us some plays that he likes for this card on Wednesday as well. So you're going to get a lot of analysis and you're going to get a lot of picks for a card that I think is relatively solid. You've got some non-conference games. You've got some conference games. You've got some games involving teams like the Philly Five. So we have got a little bit of everything. And we're going to be going with one of those non-conference games with a team that's been rising up my power rankings for the DK Nation pick. This is 679-680 on the betting board. Purdue, they're going to look to get her done, and they're going to be looking to host Hofstra. Hofstra is a 20-point underdog with your total on this game and between 146 and 146.5, and, and the write-up actually will not be on the spread. I do think that you are starting to get a little bit of value here with Hofstra. Hofstra, I said it's more around a 17- to an 18-point underdog, so I think we've went a little bit too lofty, but... I do think that this is not going to be a game that's going to be involving a lot of points. You've got a Purdue team that is right around 250th in the country in terms of possessions per game. Hofstra, though they could be a heat-seeking missile and just go off for a whole bunch of points on any given night. They're a mid-tempo team as well, and that's why I like the under. With the under, you got to figure that Purdue is going to be looking to slow this game down. And I certainly do think that they will do so because their biggest of edge, that would be down low. Giant of the Earth, Zach Edey, is right now registering, and I'm not even kidding here, about 22 points and 12 and a half rebounds per game. He has been absolutely dominant. He's in the top five in all of college basketball in terms of points and rebounds, and they've got a good matchup here against a Hofstra team that they don't really have anyone that's taller than six foot eight, and they are 320th in the country in terms of rebound rate. Darrel Stone Dunbar has been their top rebounder. Now, what I do think is going to be able to keep Hofstra alive and kicking in this game to be able to get the cover. That would be Mr. Estrada. Aaron Estrada has been terrific for this team thus far this season. He's been able to pour in there 21 points, 5.5 boards, 4 assists per contest. So he's been able to do a nice job on that front for our officer team that they shoot about 36.5% from three-part range. Officer does a nice job, not necessarily beating themselves with about 11.5 turnovers per game. So they do a Solid job on that front, but the one thing with Hofstra is that because they do take quite a few threes, they take about 23 per contest, that means that they're not getting a second chance. They are in the bottom 15 in all of college basketball in terms of offensive rebounds on a per-game basis, and with Zach Eadie out there, that means that it's going to be a lot of one and duns for Hofstra. And on top of that, we're talking about how Purdue has the big advantage down low. What Purdue also does, they guard the arc. They're eighth in the country in terms of opponent's three-point shooting percentage, so Hofstra is going to be able to get nothing at all down low, and now they have to cast away from three against the eighth-best three-point shooting defense at all of college basketball. And with Hofstra, we have seen very demonstrative splits home and road with them. They're shooting 50.9% from three-point range at home. On the road, this plummets to sub-32%. That is massive. And then you do have a Purdue team that... They've been able to do a very solid job on offense this season. No doubt Zach Eady is going to get his 20 plus points per game down low. You do wonder where a lot of the other production is going to be coming from, though, because this is a bunch of, they shoot about 34% from three point range. It's certainly far from terrible. You had Mason Gillis and Caleb first really do a solid job. They're everything uh, combined about 12 and a half points per contest. Both of these guys stand six foot six or taller and with first, he's actually closer to six foot ten. They've both been able to can over 44.5% of their threes, so that has been really nice for the team. But it is a Purdue team that they're looking to play a little bit more methodically in offense, do a good job of not turning it over with about 10.8 turnovers per game. They also don't force the issue, they generate about 10 steals per game, or 10 turnovers per game, I should say. And that's just not necessarily a ton for this team as well, other than Zach Eady and being able to have. A few three-pointers out of someone like a Fletcher lawyer who's coming as a freshman. He's been able to do a solid job. It's not necessarily as great of an offense as we've seen in past years out of this Purdue team. It certainly is a little bit of a far cry from last season. And with Hofstra, in terms of their defense, I do think that they're going to get relatively pummeled down low. But I do think that they're going to be able to do an okay job being able to guard the three-point arc in this game. They bring in someone in Tyler Thomas, who I like. He was able to generate for the team 12 points per contest. Thus far, he comes in after he had about 16 points per game last season while he was at Sacred Heart, and it is a bunch in Hofstra that I think that they're going to have a tough time down low, but they do bring in someone in Warren Williams to be able to give them a few rebounds, so I do think that Hofstra is going to have a tough time in terms of being able to score some points, but I do think that this is going to be a slow enough game, and I do think that Hofstra is going to be able to do just enough in the backcourt to be able to hang within this number, but real right up here, it is going to be on the under. I set my total more around a 137.5 we're seeing this between 146 and 146.5. We always use them for the number in terms of the write-up. It is a 146 and a half there. So looking at the under, and I'm going to be willing to take 20 with, with Hofstra and the write-up that is going to be involving the total as well, just for clarity there. Also, with regards to what we're seeing on this college basketball Wednesday, we've got a Big Ten conference matchup as well. We were taking a look at a non-conference game involving a Big Ten team. How about if we go six sixty three six sixty four This is Penn State playing us to Michigan State. Michigan State is a four to four and a half point underdog with your total between one thirty four and one thirty four and a half and with Penn State, I feel like they should be a five point favorite. I feel like the name brand of Michigan State right now reigning a little bit more supreme, which is why we have seen this come down just a little bit. We saw a lot of four and a halfs out there, apparently it opened at three and a half, which that was probably a very, very early number, and that got gobbled up very quickly and rightfully so. But with Ben State, I like what I've seen out of this team. You don't necessarily have that one tremendous big man down low, and with Michigan State, they're going to have a little bit of an advantage in the post as you've been able to have someone like a Joey Hauser hauling for this team, Seven, six and a half rebounds per game. He's done a good job giving you right around 13 and a half points per game. And this is a Michigan State team that they do shoot about 36.5% from three-point range. Michigan State has been giving up the three-point arc field themselves as opponents are canning over eight threes per contest against them. You do have down low someone in Medi, so Sacco, who's been able to give you eight points, right around six rebounds per game, and they're going to need him to step up because Malik Hall has been out of the fold each out of the last five games, one of the better low post players in this one, and for Ty Walker, give him credit, for assists 1. four assists to 1.4 turnovers per game. It's Michigan State team that has done a good job of being able to take care of the ball. One thing Michigan State doesn't do they don't force any turnovers whatsoever, and that should lead to a slog in this game as you've got a Penn State team that has been really efficient on the offensive side of things, but you've also got a Penn State team that, in terms of total possessions per game out of 363 D1 teams, they were one of the bottom teams in all of college basketball last season, and they've been continuing that this season as they ranked 256th in all of college basketball in possessions per game, which is actually up quite a bit from where they were last season as well, which it's very, very strange to say, but this Penn State team—they've been able to do a very solid job on the offensive side of things. They do leave a little bit of something to be desired on defense. But Jalen Pickett is right now one of the top players in all of college basketball. He had a triple double a little bit earlier this season in the game against Butler. He overall for the season: 16 points, six half boards, seven half assists per game, shooting about 32% from three-point range. And he's helped out by Seth Lundy and Cameron Winter. They're combining to shoot, and I'm not even kidding here. North of 47% from three-point range with a whopper of 25 points per game. Lundy right now leading the way with seven rebounds per game now. What I will say about this Penn State team is, for one, you got to expect Lundy and Cameron Winter to cool down a little bit in terms of the three-point shooting because Cameron Winter spent four years at Drexel, and while he was at Drexel, he never shot that well from three-point range. As a matter of fact, in his four years at Drexel, he was shooting – more in the neighborhood, about 34%, 35% from three-point range. So, I mean, he's not like a bad three-point shooter, but this is pretty unsustainable. And then you've got Kabai Njai, who down low has been able to give this Penn State team right around four boards per contest. Six-foot-ten freshman. I do expect a little bit of something out of him, but with Michigan State, I do question how they're going to be able to match up in the backcourt. And for Michigan State, the one big knock I have on them is when it comes to close games, they don't have that one close-out guy. They've got a lot of really solid pieces, but they don't necessarily have that one old reliable guy that you're able to look to when you need a bucket. And I feel like Penn State has won the best in all of college basketball in picket and everything that he's been able to do for this bunch. So it's a circumstance in which I'm willing to lay up to 4.5 with Penn State. I'm going to be willing to take this number. Got a pair of teams that are playing relatively slowly and got a Michigan State team that... They're coming off of losing at home to Northwestern. That's not necessarily too terrific. I do think the Penn State is going to be able to do a solid job on the glass as they are not hauling in a lot of offensive rebounds themselves, but they themselves aren't allowing the opponent to be able to get second chances off of their misses as well. I think that's going to be a lot of one and done, just bland possession. So I do take a look at this spot and I look at the under semi total, 133. And in terms of Penn State, going to be willing to lay the number here. This is a game that really doesn't deserve much more than a minute of our time. So we're going to hit it right now because you have actually starting to get a little bit of value on the favorite. 665, 666, Georgetown playing Osa to Siena. Georgetown opened up as a six-point favorite. This has plummeted to five and a half in a lot of spots. We're seeing a five where I'm at at Circa, and your total on this game is 142.5. If this is yet to move at your book, and it looks like DraftKings has won the last stand sixes out there. I would probably wait a little bit because the Georgetown Hoyas are going to get faded. And if you're looking for a nice betting opportunity, if you don't want to take this free flop, and I do think that this is worth taking a look at with Georgetown, whatever they do in the first half, bet the opposite. Because Georgetown, in every game this year, they've got one really, really good half, and they've got one half of basketball where you just sit there and you say, what in the world happened here? I don't know how, I don't know why, but if Georgetown gets off to a terrible start in the first half, they are amazing in the second half. If they have a good first half, they stink in the second half. They are so unreliable that it's not even funny. So just take a look at what Georgetown does in the first half, bet the opposite in the second half. You've cashed every single time if you've taken that approach. I personally set Georgetown as a six-point favorite. I'm willing to lay five to five and a half with them and I do like the over and what else I like talking some college basketball with Justin Perry of shot quality Bets. that comes up next right here on the Greg Peterson experience on Vison the sports banking network.
5: Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to drivekings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken. May better 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions. They do apply. See drivekings.com for details and please do drink responsibly. We're back here on the Greg Peterson experience on Visa and the Sports Bank Network. Always a pleasure to be joined by this man, Justin Perry, over at Shock Quality Best. does an amazing job taking a look at the game that we love of college basketball. And we do love you have, having you on this show, Justin. Always do appreciate it. Thank you
5: hey greg thank you again for having me on the show it's always such a pleasure to be here to chat about anything whether it's football baseball and of course college basketball which we do so you know interestingly over shot quality bets excited to dive into some numbers tonight maybe chat a little bit about some expected scores and of course how we can use shot quality to continue to enhance our look at the game
4: and justin we were talking a little bit off air and this is one that just went final a few minutes ago, so a little bit of an update as well. If you were betting on the Nevada-Pepperdine game, the total goes way over, 85-77, to 77, Nevada gets the job done. So as a slight underdog, they are able to win outright as well. And I know that like you guys were on the over. I was on the over as well. And a big reason why is because though Nevada had been a little bit of a slower team this season, playing some good defense, at their roots, if you just take a look at the way that Steve Alford has coached at Nevada – They've always been a very up-tempo, fast, brisk team, and they're going against a Pepperdine team. I mean, Lorenzo Romar is the coach. Do I need to say anything more about their defense other than Lorenzo Romar is the coach? But that said, take me sort of through what you guys do at shot Quality Bets because we're seeing a lot of teams this year that – They've sort of strayed away from what they've been in the past, going a little bit faster and a little bit slower. But I know that you guys over there, you take into account much more than this season. And I do think that that's very important to do, especially when it comes to a tempo of a team, as long as the coach doesn't change.
5: Yeah. And and look, we try to take a a peek at these programs and understand the way that they run their offenses and not necessarily fall into, I guess, what you would call the trap of, of recency bias, right? And what our data allows us to take a peek at is how these teams have performed in terms of creating opportunities to score points. So oftentimes early season, we see a lot of of variance, right? You see teams that should be a lot colder from three, teams that are shooting hot somehow from inside the arc, but can't get it to go from deep. And, And what we are able to kind of do is ignore a lot of that recency bias, which influences not only opinions, but, of course, betting lines. So if you can kind of ignore them, push them to the side and just see programs for what they're trying to do and the opportunities that they create, you're often better suited to go attack these lines. Look, we've, we've seen it be very profitable, specifically on our totals. Uh, we did, as you say, uh, nailed that over today. We had this one coming in around 100, and I think about 55. I think it, it went a little bit further than that even, I believe, coming in at, what, 162. So, yeah, a, a lot of firepower. But still, there are ways to see that as something that you would expect from a team like Nevada, based on how they have been coached and organized in years past.
4: Yep. Absolutely. With Steve Alford, you know that his teams are going to be playing a little bit more up tempo. And are there a few teams that you've been noticing this season that they've been playing a little bit above slash below expectations, whether that be in terms of tempo or just in terms of the way that they've been able to get to the window or not, because I remember you coming on the last time last week with Arizona saying that they were doing for regression and immediately they hit a massive cooler against Utah. So you're right on the money there. And, That was a bit unlucky for Arizona. I will say that if you took a look at that game, boy, I mean, you expected a little bit of regression, but it all just came in one night. But in terms of what you've been seeing, are there some teams that they've been playing above their skis a little bit, or they just have been really, really unlucky in terms of the opportunities?
5: Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of teams out there that really aren't capitalizing, and I'll get into them in a second. That Utah game, though, funny enough, you know how we evaluate every single game. We break down shots, you know, bring them into an entire game. Look, that Utah-Arizona game, we graded as an Arizona win by four points. So if you had, like, the money line in a parlay that night against Arizona, uh, against, sorry, against Utah with Arizona on the road, I'm sorry. Uh, But, look, that is what we try to— Look into And some of the teams that have had tougher luck this year are, you know, my, an interesting one that I team I actually really like um, is, is, is (laughs) cow. Sorry, I I misread. I, and I choked because it was almost so bad. It was, I'm a big fan of Canisius uh, and they have actually been underperforming by a decent amount this year. Of course, they have not really been able to lock in too many wins currently sitting at what I think uh, it's not really pretty, but, you know, Canisius, what? Yeah, sorry. One in six right now. And and they haven't played very well, but they have three shot quality wins on their record uh, against Cleveland State, who I'm on tonight, Buffalo and Siena, which was a cover that Siena game back in early December on the second. But look, they just got spanked against Iona and shot quality ranked that loss as a one point L. So like, there's, there's a lot to like about this Canisius squad. They are really good at limiting their opponents on three-point attempts. They are a fast-tempo team, if you want to talk about tempo, and they play tough. Uh, I think they're going to be very interesting in the MAAC this season, a uh, team to watch out for, especially in conference play when they know these opponents, when they're hosting opponents in Central New York. I think this Canisius team could win you a couple bets this season, for sure.
4: Yep, Canisius has certainly been a team of fascination, and I was talking about it with teams that they turn over a little bit of a new leaf in terms of tempo. We were talking about it with Nevada. They had been a little bit slower coming in, but they had really been speeding things up. What do we make out of things like Duke? Because I do think that the slow style with Duke, who I believe that you were actually there at MSG tonight, so you were able to watch that on full display. I think that it is for real that they're really playing a much slow, much more slowly. I don't know if they're going to end the season in the bottom 50 in terms of possessions per game. But I can tell that John Shire, he's really getting into these guys. He's really trying to preach at style. And I think that that's very important to look at because we're able to take a look at all the past metrics. But I think when a new coach comes in, that really does light, wipe the slate clean when it comes to a lot of these guys. And or you're able to take a look at what the coach did at past stops. And they're probably going to try to duplicate that.
5: Yeah, I mean, that is definitely something we see very consistently in college basketball, that these philosophies travel with coaches, uh, that the way that they attack handling possessions, the way that they architect their offense, their defense, what have you, they, they bring this with them. It's not something that they're going to superfluously change because they're at a new school. Uh, usually these coaches build their careers on what works, and so they're hired to bring in their systems. Uh, not necessarily like fit into a new system. That doesn't just make any sense. Why would you task a system, a ca- task a coach with a brand new system, right? So anyway, yeah, I was there tonight. They move that ball. They try to get the best shot available. Duke is definitely a sharp shooting team. Shot quality rates them as the third most effective offense in D1. And so what they're doing, slowing the game down and finding effective shots, means that they're draining threes, extending their lead. Iowa's one of the best offensive teams in the nation, and and they made them look kind of silly tonight. Like, they were just extending that lead into double digits, looking super efficient, limiting their opponent's opportunities on the offensive end. I liked what I saw out of Duke. I don't know if it's because there was literally a sea of Blue Devil fans, and that is definitely something to take into consideration at a stadium like Madison Square Garden. Full, you know, uh, neutral court, but Duke essentially dominated a lot of Duke representation in New York City, for sure. Been here for a while. A lot of Dukies. Uh, They were out. So maybe a grain of salt with this loss for Iowa. We'll check the shot quality score tomorrow morning. And uh, we'll talk maybe about what that means for both teams going forward over at shot quality bets.
4: Yep. And hopefully we can see these Duke totals just continue to be where they are, because even though they've been very effective, they've been super slow. They look for those very good shots and it's led to a bunch of unders on Dukes on the Duke blue devils and, and it's been profitable for me. And I do think that it was interesting that you pointed out Cleveland state a little bit earlier. That's a game that I'll hit on with you. And then we'll hit a few more games in the next segment. But that said, we have seen the money. Coming in, ironically enough, on Cleveland State, they opened up an 8-point underdog. Now we're seeing them between six and 7, with a total between 129 and 129.5. Give me your handicap of this game, because with the Bonnies literally had to replace 99.9% of their offense. I think that Dr. Schmidt has actually done a good job, given everything that has been presented. And for Cleveland State, I think a lot of people overreacted to their opening night loss against Notre Dame. No, not Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame, the non-D1 team.
5: Yeah, so here's what's really interesting to me about this game. I like what I've seen out of the Cleveland State team, but more importantly, I don't like what I've seen out of the Bonnie team at home. And they have this reputation of defending this home court that I think came with a lot of the last couple of years. And there is a total revamp going on here. And yes, they are sitting 4-0 and against the spread at home. But even the Middle Tennessee game, we graded at shot quality as a loss on the floor by nine points. So they have had some struggles. They are getting shots to fall and a little bit of that regressions due, Greg. I just you, you get that feeling after seeing so many games go maybe what we would call an unexpected way. Well, I think that's going to come to haunt them tomorrow with the six and a half points just being a little bit too big over two possessions. A little bit too nice to me right now. I like that little extra hook for sure.
4: And we shall see what else we've got on the Wednesday card with Justin Perry next right here on v the Sports Betting Network.
5: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: Need a little bit more college basketball insight? Well check out the podcast Coast Coast Hoops. Some schmuck named Greg Peterson will take a look at every college basketball game on the schedule to find betting opportunities. Greg has an opinion on every single hoops game and we set our own lines here. Coast to Coast Soups provides unique insights and looks at all the games that have solid betting opportunities, big or small. Download Coast to Coast Soups now at Bson.com slash podcast or every year podcast. While you're there, catch up on every single VSIN show as well as this is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And hey, a man that has joined me on that podcast a few times, Justin Perry of Shot Quality Bets, he is joining me. And we were talking a lot in that last segment about something that is so awesome just taking a look at tempos, being able to find a lot of value in terms of being able to bet on totals because people love sides. But I think we'd both agree there's a little bit less variance when it comes to totals. And I was talking about this game a little bit earlier on in the hour, and I want to get your thoughts. Hofstra and Purdue. Purdue is right now finding themselves as 20-point favorites. We've seen the line going up with a total of 146.5, and I just take a look at the way that both of these teams are wired, and this just feels like too high of a total for me because with Purdue, their big advantage is down low with Zach Eady being a giant of the earth. Purdue not a team that's looking to gun it themselves, and for Hofstra, they have been wildly inconsistent with their three-point shooting, and now they have to go up against a Purdue team that's done actually a really good job of shutting down the three ball. And I think that this could be a game where we've already seen with Hofstra. They've played in three of their last five games, games in which they have failed to get to 68 points. And this feels like it could be another one of those.
5: Yeah, this is definitely a game in which I, I'm i a little bit weary of of taking anything regarding either of these teams, right? So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit why. Purdue is kind of like the apple of everyone's eye. Everyone knows what's going on with Zach Edey, And the minute that starts to happen, I stop betting on the teams. Like when I'm hearing about players playing too well and like the national coverage of college basketball, I'm like, okay, it's gonna be very hard for me to find an edge betting on that team that everybody's paying attention to. On the other side is Hofstra. So, you know, rock at a hard place a little bit on this one. Hofstra definitely struggling. To uh, you know, get its totals where they should be in terms of shot quality. Uh, something that's very interesting on this one is that you know Hofstra has actually been uh, pretty regular in terms of over/under five and four uh, by closing lines. Again, of course, a couple of them maybe depending where you get them from, but shot quality has rated it at two six and one. So not really many positions to go over. Uh, They're not putting up enough shots. And something that we did talk about in the break was that it is really about possessions and not necessarily about like making shots. It's about pace. It's about understanding the flow of the game. Can you make a educated take about, okay, this game is going to move slower or maybe just with Hofstra's case, they're not going to shoot very well. Um, It is not exactly been very pretty for this Hofstra team. Uh, They they went under in all three of their neutral games so far against quinnipiac unc greensboro middle tennessee and you know it wasn't even really close 27 and a half points 23 and a half points most recent one against quinnipiac was four and a half but we know that quinnipiac offense can actually move so Uh, i don't know this is a pretty interesting one i definitely think you could look at hostra to stay under their team total maybe as a safer method than just the whole game because purdue might be able to put up 85 points here 90 points here and then who knows what happens (laughs) like really so i would maybe look to fade hofstra more directly on the
4: total and one thing that we know as well when it comes to some of these blowouts it turns into open gym and happy action fun time where guys are just taking shots that they normally would not and that can make things totals that can make totals just a little bit interesting i've had so many totals this year where it's like well this is under by like 50 points going into the final 10 minutes and then Oh, wait, it's a 25-point game and nobody cares about defense anymore, and that's never necessarily too terrific. I think that both teams are going to be concerned with defense in this one, as it is Indiana and Nebraska, and I want to really get your thoughts on Nebraska because they're coming off of a massive, and I mean massive, win against Creighton, and they're one of those teams that they have zagged from what they were last season. Last year, Nebraska was one of the fastest teams in all of college basketball. They are now one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball, and we've got sort of a middle-of-the-road total, about 136-half to 137-half, with Indiana being a 13-point favorite. What do you make out of this game? Just because with Nebraska, I'm sort of trying to figure out what is the real Nebraska as well, because I don't think that they're quite as slow as they've shown through this year. At the same time, I think that they're looking to get away from being a team that's in the top five in possessions per game and giving up 80-plus points.
5: Yeah, I mean, dropping 249 spots on shot quality's tempo ratings is definitely Crazy. something to be aware of, <laughs> right? 31st in tempo last season, 208 right now. Just just unheard of, almost. Um, and, and again, I'm not really too sure what to make of it. I was a little bit higher than maybe I wanted to be after the first week or two of the season on Nebraska. I lost a few plays, uh, handicapping them a little bit poorly, uh, I would say. (laughs) That's what losses kind of feel like. But at the other end of it, Nebraska has been a very interesting team. You know, they are playing a a very strong game. They are passing the ball well. They are good offensive rebounding. They're playing good defense against the three ball, which in today's day and age is really important. They attack the rim really well, Uh, 91% rim and three rate, which is a really important metric for us over at shot quality to understand when teams are making the best decisions, which of course is either finishing at the rim or taking a three. We, we now know through plenty of statistical analysis, those are the highest value shots on the court. Uh, and if you'd like to argue with it, you can go find my DMS. But I know, and we know over extensive analysis that those are the shots you wanna take, right? Easy finishes or high value shots. And, and look, I think Nebraska's defense has been a little bit of the tail here so far. Uh, we've seen them do pretty well, maybe against some weaker teams. So I'm not totally sure what we're going to see with Indiana. I expect this one to maybe be a little bit too big, sitting around, what, 13 right now? Yep. Probably a little too sizable, but it's going to be a sweat, probably a very, very sharp line between these, you know, heavy market teams. Indiana is a heavily bet team. People love betting on a squad like that. They're a top. Uh, favorite right now to make a run in March. I like the squad. I'm a Mike Woodson fan. I'm a Knicks fan. You know, I like the guy. But at the other end, laying 13 points in a game where they're probably going to be more than happy to just take a win, win by five or six points, is just a little risky. So I'd lean Nebraska. I just don't like laying this many points between big schools.
4: I agree. And there might be one entity out there on planet Earth that's more thankful for Louisville than betters that have been fading them into oblivion all season long and that would be Cal because Cal much like Louisville has went winless thus far this season but because Louisville is a bigger brand name nobody's talking about the fact that this Cal team has not won a single game all season long and now we're finding them as a four and a half point favorite against Eastern Washington What do you make out of this Cal team and what we've seen overall? Because they have actually had a few covers when they went out for that Emerald Coast classic. It wasn't the world's worst performance, but I take a look at this Cal team. And I mean, you guys do a great job over there at shock quality bets. I'm sure that if you were to map out their offensive efficiency numbers, you would get a big giant frowny face.
5: Oh, that's pretty (laughs) much it. (laughs) You basically quantified Cal and yeah, it has been a little bit disappointing for the team. Their offensive adjusted shot quality rating right now is 305th in the nation. So that's not, not really going to get you very far. 355th on shot quality in, in three point efficiency, um, bad passing, lots of isolations, a slow tempo, bad spacing on offense. These are all the things that literally pop up when you go to shotqualitybets.com and look at the Cal page. 0 and 9. The only things they're doing pretty well is they shoot the free throw decently and they're pretty good at defending the rim. So maybe so they're Greg some... Peterson
4: in middle school. I could take a charge and I could shoot free throws, but I couldn't do <laughs> anything else. They're Greg Peterson. That's look, not look, what you want to be.
5: <laughs> that is not what you want to be at all. And look, there's definitely some regression coming Uh, the post. If you go against Cal in the post teams are shooting 73% shot quality is expecting 47. So pretty drastic difference coming there, but they are just playing terribly inside and it is showing everywhere. We do have a few of their games rated as wins that they lost the close game against UC San Diego. We had as a four point win, but you do have to remember that a lot of these things just have some variability to them. It can go four or five points either way. That's basketball. So they are definitely putting themselves in terrible positions. Eastern Washington coming up next. I mean, I I couldn't I couldn't take them. I mean, shot quality's model based on a lot of priors puts them beat, winning this game by four. I wouldn't do that. I like a lot how Eastern Washington has looked. They look like a more of a middle of the pack team. I I would probably go ahead and support Eastern Washington because those lines still do have some of those priors cooked in. There is still some default respect for Cal, uh, because they don't want to hand you, I guess, almost two easy of a line in a sense, but uh, if you take Cal, I guess, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's, it's a tough team for them for sure.
4: And I have to think that the human element is cu- taking hold as well. You got to think that if you're in that Cal locker room, it's like, guys, we lost again. We are winless right now. This is not going so great, which is the exact opposite of this show. Whenever you join Justin, you do great work over there at shot quality bets. I always do appreciate it. Thank you.
5: Hey, my pleasure, Greg. Looking forward to coming back and talking more about how we can continue to cut through the biases and the result bias and all that great stuff over at Shock Quality Bets.
4: Absolutely. And Shock Quality bets they do absolutely amazing work, taking a look at the analytics of college basketball. Coming in next, we've got to take a look at a college basketball game that, in my opinion, goes way beyond the analytics. That's right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. Betty Network. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook here, calling all soccer fans to lace up your cleats with the World Cup in full swing. Now is the perfect time to check out Bet Rivers. Log into Bet Rivers every single match day and receive a bet on behalf of Bet Rivers when you place a wager of at least twenty-five dollars. Bet Rivers has the latest odds lines boost to be able to create the perfect match day experience. Head on over to BetRivs.com or download the BetRivs app today to get in on all the action as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. Great to get Justin Perry aboard. He does amazing work over there at Shot Quality Bets. Two segments of a lot of fun taking a look at the game that we love of college basketball. So a big thanks, Sam. We're going to be hitting upon a little bit of college football, a little bit of NFL, and Most likely a tad bit of NBA in our number three as well, as we're going to be joined by Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And the reason why we have all these great guest interviews, that is courtesy of our good friend Jason Kahn, one of the hardest working producers in the business, does absolutely amazing work, not only getting those guests, but he's got the toughest job of all, keeping me in line. That is not something I envy of anyone, but yet... Jason, he comes in with a smile on his face and does so every single day. You've got our good friend Sean. We were talking about podcasts here on the show every single hour of every show, whether it be the Greg Peterson Experience, Follow the Money, Live Bet Tonight. You're able to go down the list. They're all posted up on vSyn.com and as courtesy of our good friend Sean. And then you've got the technical side of things with regards to all the graphics that you're seeing on screen, whether that be On VEASAN.com, YouTube TV, what have you. That is courtesy of Nick. And then Taylor is our man on audio. All of you guys listening on the iHeartRadio app, Terrestrial Radio, what have you. He's the reason why they're currently getting this show right now. Best team in the business. A big thanks to all of them and their tremendous efforts as they do absolutely amazing work. And we're gonna look to get to work on this card. As we got ourselves a very interesting college basketball card, and we're seeing a little bit of a line move in terms of this game. And I think I know why, because this is one of the most fascinating situations, and well, we're using fascinating to keep this as G-rated as possible right now. As it's 7.19, 7.20 on the betting board. New Mexico State. They're on the road playing against Santa Clara. Somehow, New Mexico State is a six half to a seven half point underdog with your total on this game anywhere between 150 and a and 151 and a Typically, this is not a show that crosses into news, but when news actually is going to be affecting the betting line, it needs to be reported in that Mike Peake of the New Mexico State Aggies has been suspended indefinitely. And right now, there's lots of investigations as to what went down because there was a little bit of a shooting. It sounds like there was a gun that might have been driven across state lines. You're able to go down the list, the full details, I can tell you right now, I've no inside sources whatsoever, but it sounds not good. It sounds not good to say the least, and I know there are people are wondering about what is going to be happening with New Mexico State, not just in this game, but moving forward, and I think it's a very, very good question, and you've got this avalanche involving a shooting that's involving the New Mexico State Aggies, and now you've got the Santa Clara Broncos who are just sitting there at home being relatively solid, and I made this as a result, Santa Clara being a 12-point favorite. I think that this is just a doomsday spot for New Mexico State. I mean, you're dealing with all this hoopla, and now you have to play against the Santa Clara Broncos, who are legitimately a really good up-tempo offense that I truly like. Herb Sendak has done a terrific job with the Santa Clara Broncos team, and you've got Brandon Pozmeski, who has been terrific, coming in from Illinois. 20.5 points. Nine and a half boards, two steals per game, shooting over forty-one percent from three-point range, and then you've got on top of that guys that have good versatility. Keyshawn Justice, Parker Braun—they be able to combine for eighteen points. Both of these guys are able to combine for about ten or so rebounds per game. Justice, who stands right in the neighborhood of about six foot eight-ish, he's be able to do all three assists per game. Braun who stands more like six foot ten? he's able to give you three assists per contest as well. It's just a bunch of positionless basketball, and in terms of the team on the court, it's actually been pretty decent for New Mexico State. They brought in Xavier Pinson, who was a starter at LSU last season. He's been able to give the team 13.5 points per contest. He was able to dole out right around four and a half assists per game, but I'm just wondering if any of these guys are going to get suspended based on this ordeal, because we know that Mike Peake is, and Mike Peek in the first few games of the season, he was actually starting for the bunch, so That means that they have to reshuffle the lineup. That means that you're going to be seeing a little bit more of Isab Muhammad, who's been able to give the team 10.5 points, four boards. But I just don't know what you're going to be able to get out there on the court for New Mexico State. I mean, if I were to take an educated guess, I don't think that you see every single player that you typically see for New Mexico State. But very, very strange situation. And even if you get everyone out there on the court, the human element of things tells you that, yeah, maybe getting away to the college basketball court is our happy place, but they've had a lot of things affected based on this thing. You've got DeShondre Washington comes in as one of the better. Juco transfers in all of college basketball. 12 points, 8 boards, 5.8 assists, shooting 43% from three. And even if you get all these guys out there on the court, there's a massive cooler coming in for New Mexico State and their three-point shooting. Each of their top four scores, because... Well, Pico's number five, and he was shooting about 40% for three as well. But they're all shooting north of 40% from three-point range. They as a collective, are shooting about 38.5% from three-point range. New Mexico State isn't quite this good of a three-point shooting team. And it is a New Mexico State of They're turning the ball over 13 times per game as well. Santa Clara, they're pretty precise with regards to their offense. If you don't have anything that breaks in terms of New Mexico State, and they have everyone out there on the floor, I still like Santa Clara. But this ordeal, it's just... Very, very strange, to say the least, and I do think that it's going to affect this New Mexico State team relatively negatively. I do take a look at this spot. I think that we're going to be without some of these guys for New Mexico State. That leads me to the under in this spot. I set my total more in the mid-140 range, and I am going to be willing to lay the points with Santa Clara, given all the circumstances. And I think that if you take the line right now, it's probably not going to be going in favor of New Mexico State and you could be getting yourself a very, very nice bonus if a few guys get rolled out based on, well, what is a not-so-great situation, to put it politely. How about if we go to 691-692 on the betting board? We've got Dayton. They're going to be on the road. They're facing off against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech opened up as a 6.5-point favorite. They're now anywhere between 7.5 and 8-point favorites. And your total on this game is there between 127 and 128 And with Virginia Tech. I made them more around a about a five-point favorite, so I'm going to be willing to take the points with Dayton. This is the Dayton bunch that they've been able to do a very good job on defense thus far this season. For everything that has went wrong to start the season for Dayton, this team has really been able to get at you. They're still a top-50 team in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, and you've got yourself – Two teams that are playing about as slow as molasses right now. You've got Dayton 317th in the country in terms of possessions per game. You've got Virginia Tech. They're 296th in the country in terms of possessions per game. And with Virginia Tech, very precise team in terms of not turning the ball over a lot. They do a nice job of saying button down and They are going to have the mer- most versatile player out there on the floor. That would be Justin Mutz. Mutz has been able to give this team about 12.5 points, 9 boards, 4 assists, a little bit over a seal per game. you have able to go down the list, but where I think that Dayton is going to be able to hold in this game is for one, it's going to be a low possession game just based on the way that these two teams play. But they've got the best rebounder on, in the game, that'd be Tumani Kamara. You may recall at Georgia a few years ago, he was a starter. He's been able to give this team 11 points, steal and a half, right around a block, and nine and a half boards per game. So he's able to do a great job down low. And then you got Daron Holmes, a little bit more of the eraser in terms of in the paint, two blocks, seven boards, 16 points per game with Dayton. They've been having a no-good, very bad, terrible shooting start to begin the season. Matter of fact, they're shooting twenty-seven and a half percent from three-point range. Dayton is not gonna at any point be like a forty percent three-point shooting team or anything like that. They aren't quite this bad though, and they've been getting Malachi Smith back in the fold. He had a just really devastating injury to end the year last year. So as a result, he missed the first five games of the season. And Malachi Smith last season was a 40% three-point shooter. That was able to give the team right around 10 points per contest. And he has picked up right where he left off in terms of everything aside from his scoring, scoring five and a half points per game. He's made as many three-point shots as Greg Peterson. Zero. That is going to be picking up a little bit. Meanwhile, his other attributes, they're all back. Four and a half boards, four and a half assists, two steals per game. He's been good on defense. He's been good at facilitating. He just hasn't been able to get it going in terms of offense. And Mike, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, Dayton fans call him Mongolian Mike. So we're going to go with that as well. He's been solid. A nice little combo player. Eight and a half points, three assists. He's been able to shoot about 37% from three-point range. And I do think that for Virginia Tech, They've had to put guys into much larger roles than last season, like Sean Padula last season was shooting 35 per, or 45% from three-point range. He's done a nice job doing out the ball. He's actually been the team's top scorer, but you can tell that his three-point shooting percentage it has plummeted. Now they bring in Grant Basile. He was playing at right State last season, 14 points, five boards. He's been able to do a very solid job facing the floor, shooting over 42% from three-point range, but I think Dayton holds in a game that is going to be very slow, very controlled. Dayton has been struggling from the perimeter, but I do think that Dayton, they're going to do a nice job of being able to impede on a Virginia Tech offense that has been relatively efficient, but very slow all season long. So take a look at this total. I said at 125, I like the under and Virginia Tech could only make up a five point favorite. So take a look at the points. Now we go to our pro tip for our number two, VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all these. If you're a VEASAN pro subscriber and the pro tip for our number two is that sometimes teams make moves and because it's a high-profile team, you're hearing a lot about it. It doesn't make as much of an impact on a team as you'd like it to in terms of the line. It's just a little bit of non-importance, to say the least. But what is important, trying to find you guys some money on this college basketball betting board next here on VEASAN Esports Betting Network.
2: If you dare.